All right, well, let's go to God's Word, as today we're in week number three in a series called Money Talks. If you missed either of the first two messages in this series, I really encourage you, go to seatownhope.com and listen to them, because those first two messages, what they do is they're going to set a good biblical foundation under you regarding the subject of money and what the Bible has to teach about it. One of the things that I told you in week one of this series was, yes, absolutely yes, we were going to talk about giving in this series. You know what I have found? A lot of people don't mind the pastor talking about money as long as he doesn't talk about the subject of giving. Well, can I just say this? You cannot handle your wealth, your money, in any way, shape, or form biblically without talking about the subject of giving, okay? So if you don't want to talk about giving, then what you're really saying is, I don't want to hear what the Bible has to say about money. That's what you're really saying. It's just that simple because the Bible has a whole lot to teach us about the why and the what and the how when it comes to giving. Now, inevitably, and I said this last week, inevitably, when the pastor starts talking about money, there are two questions that immediately arise in people's mind. Question number one is, what sh- why should I give? And question number two is, what should I give? Or what is the amount that I should give? Now, last week, we learned from Jesus about the why behind giving. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20? He says, in 21, he said, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Well, how do you do that? You do that through giving. It's the only way to store up treasure in heaven. You do that through giving. But why? Why does God want me to give back a portion of what is already his to him to begin with? Remember we talked about, you don't own anything. All your wealth is God's wealth. And the proof of that is you were born naked into this world. And when you leave, none of it goes with you. It's God's. You just steward it while you're here. So if it already belongs to God, then why does God want me to practice this habit of giving back a portion of what is already his? Well, verse 21 tells us why that is. Look what Jesus says next. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. And what God wants more than anything is your heart. God doesn't need your money, but oh, he wants your heart. And because why? Because he knows if he can get your heart, he can get your mind, he can get your soul, and he can get your strength to follow. And we talked about that in detail last week. Now, today, we're going to focus in on the second question, okay? What should I give? What's the amount that I should give? And anytime we talk about this, the tension in the room goes up. Okay, If you're new with us here at Hope Fellowship and you thought, oh my gosh, I just knew if I showed up to church and and took a chance, they were going to be talking about money. I'm sorry. You just happened to come on that day. We don't talk about money all the time. We haven't done a full series like this in a number of years, but we need to talk about it from time to time because the Bible talks about it. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's talk about the what should I give. I want to begin in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 7. The Apostle Paul gives this instruction to the Corinthian church. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, otherwise the love for the Lord, 
see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, would you agree that as Christians, we should, we should excel in the area of faith? Absolutely. How about speech? How we use our words? Oh, we should, we should be, learn how to do that well. We should excel in that area. How about in, in the knowledge of the things of God? Absolutely. How about in our earnestness for the Lord? How about in love? Yeah, absolutely. We should be excelling in the area of loving God and loving people. So too, Paul says, the Christian should excel in the grace of giving. That's important you understand. He's talking about financial giving here. That's the context of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. So here's the question. How do you know if you're excelling in the grace of giving? Well, the only way to know is to understand what the Bible has to say about giving. And what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is I want to take you on a tour through the Bible regarding this subject. By doing so, it's going to reveal to us, A, whether we're excelling or not when it comes to the grace of giving, and two, it's going to help us understand the answer to what amount should I give? It's going to help us understand that question. There are three words that sum up what the Bible teaches about the how and what we should give. I want to give those three words to you. Here's word number one, proportional. Everybody say proportional. Proportional. We're taught all through the Bible to give proportionally according to our income. This is actually 1 Corinthians. I think it says 2, but it's actually 1 Corinthians 16 too. It says, on the first day of the week, that means when you come to church, when you worship God with God's people, when you come, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. Now, what's the last part? In keeping with your income. Now, here's what that means. Set aside a sum to give in proportion to what you make. Now, could you imagine if this verse said, on the first day of the week, each of you should set aside $1,000 to give in the offering? That would be incredibly unjust and unfair if that were the case. Now, for a few of you, that would be no problem at all. I mean, you could do that every week and not even blink. But for others of you, you don't even make that in a week or two weeks, or even in a month. I mean, there is no way that you could meet a standard like that. That's why God in his word instructs us to give proportionally to our income. Why? Because it's fair, it's just, and here's the big thing. It allows everyone the opportunity to excel in giving, whether you have much to give or little to give. Let me take you to a story in Mark chapter 12 that shows you just how God evaluates our giving. In the temple in Jerusalem, we read this, uh, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, I need to give you a visual visual picture so you kind of wrap your mind around what Jesus is drawing attention here to. In the temple in Jerusalem, they did not pass around the offering bag or plate like we do in our church service. They had these 
boxes that were secure boxes that had these trumpet-like metal brass funnels that you would throw your coins in, okay? So when somebody was putting coins in the giving receptacle in the temple, you heard it. And people like that, especially the rich people. Because they'd come with a bag of a lot of coins, and if they were putting a lot of coins in, everybody would notice because they would what? Here. So when they, the rich people would throw all these coins in, a bunch of coins, you know what you would hear? You would hear, ding, 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 ding. You would just hear this metal thing reverberating with noise and everybody would look, right? Next part of the verse. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So get the scene. Widow comes up. She's got her two copper coins, and you don't hear the ding, 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 ding. You hear clink, <laughs> clink. That's it. It's hardly noticeable. And look what it says in verse 43, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more, everybody say more, more. into the treasury than all the others. Do you understand God was more pleased with the widow's giving, although she had very little compared to what the rich people gave? Why? Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, putting in everything, all she had to live on. Proportional giving, right? She gave in the eyes of God more proportionally than what the rich people did, even though her offering only added up to a few cents. She was a way better giver in the eyes of God than the rich people were that day. Now, here's what this story does. This story takes away the excuse that many Christians use to justify why they don't practice the grace of giving. Well, what I have just isn't a whole, whole lot to give. So it's not going to make a whole lot of a difference. So why give? Let me tell you why. Number one, because it matters to God. And number two, it matters to his kingdom. Do you know why? Because God can take the little that you put in his hands, like the fishes and loaves, and multiply it for his kingdom purposes. Is that not what the Bible teaches us? Proportional is the first word to describe what the Bible teaches about the amount. Word number two, let's call this one priority. Everybody say priority. priority. One of the things the Bible does is it teaches us to put God first in every area of our, of our life, including in the area of our finances. And this is something that you see taught all throughout the Bible, even from the very beginning of human history. God has always asked his people to put him first in the area of finances by bringing an offering to him. Why, once again? Because he doesn't need my money. It's already his. Because what does he want most? He wants my heart. He wants first place in my life. Let me take you back to the beginning of the Bible. Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve, right? There's just a few people on the earth at this time. Genesis chapter four, we read this. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it came time for the harvest, Cain presented 
some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the story, but you know this story, right? Okay. If you remember, Cain is so upset that he ends up killing Abel. It's the first murder in the history of the world. Does it surprise you it was over money? No. All because Cain was upset that God accepted Abel's offering and not his. What's the difference between the two offerings? Well, look at it. It says Cain gave what? Some of his crops. Otherwise, what it's saying is God wasn't his first priority when it came to his offering. God was way down the list. He only gave some. He gave out of his leftovers, not out of his first fruits. Abel, on the other hand, made God his first priority. How do we know that? Notice, he gave the first and the best that he had to who? To God, his first fruits. Okay, understand, this is priority giving. It's putting God first before I use the increase in my wealth for anything else in my life. This principle is echoed in Proverbs. Let's go ahead and look at it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Well, how do you do that? By just giving something? No. You do it by, watch this, giving the, what? First fruits of all your crops. You say, okay, pastor, got it. Honor the Lord with my first fruits. But how do I know what a first fruit is? Well, God didn't leave that up to our imagination. He tells us. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, watch this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. Now, here's the important phrase. Belongs to who? The Lord. The Lord. It is what? Holy. Holy to the Lord. So the first fruits, the, tithe, the, the, the first fruits, the tithe belongs to the Lord and it's what? Holy to the Lord. Remember that. Keep that in your mind. Now, watch this. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be, here it is again, be holy to the Lord. God says, I want you to give a tithe of your first, that's your first fruit. I want you to give it back to me because A, it belongs to me. And then what you do with the rest is up to you. Now, what is a tithe? The Hebrew word there is a tenth part. Okay? It's 10%. Follow me for a second. You can't tithe 3% because 3% is not a tithe. You can give 3%, but you, you, but you can't tithe 3%. Why? Because a tithe, by definition, is a tenth part. Now, in their day, their monetary system didn't operate quite the way ours does. Their monetary system, sometimes it was precious metals, sometimes it was crops, sometimes it was animals. We run everything that we do through a dollars and cents monetary system. So let's talk about how that works out tithe-wise. Think about this. If you have a dollar, what's, what's a tithe? Ten cents. Ten cents. If you have $10, what is it? 
How about a hundred? How about a thousand? Well, this is where it starts to get harder, right? I can hand it the 10 cents, right? How about 10,000? A thousand. Now, here's how tithing, some of you are confused. Okay, I, I get it. I see what the Bible says, but why? Here's how tithing works when it comes to the principle of putting God first. Since the tithe belongs to the Lord, and the Lord says it's the holy part of the increase of our wealth, when we offer the holy part to him, it redeems the rest of our wealth. Otherwise, it releases the blessing of God on the other 90%. To put it in the term that we've been using here at the beginning of this year, it allows his favor to be on the other 90%. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 16. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is what? Holy. holy. What's the next word? Amen. Then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So here's what I want you to understand. The first fruit portion is the redemptive portion. It's how the principle of firsts works. So the offering of the first fruits releases the blessing of God on the rest. You know what this does? It mirrors the gospel. Let me show you. Notice what Paul says about Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That's good news, right? Notice what he calls that. The what? He calls Jesus the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Talking about Christians who have died. For since death came through a man, talking about Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. How many are thankful for that? Yes. But each in turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. All right, all right, let this sink down in your spirit for a second. Very important. Jesus was God's tithe given for us so that we could be redeemed. Some of you didn't hear me. Jesus was God's tithe given for us so that we could be redeemed. Listen, what did God do? God gave his first and his best. Jesus, his one and only son, so that through him, the rest of us, the other portion of people could be redeemed, blessed, have eternal life, be raised from the dead. So think about this. Every time you tithe, you're declaring the gospel. Every time you tithe, you're participating in the principle of firsts. That's priority giving. This is why I tell you that 90% with the favor of God on it is better than 100% without it. Look at it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, and we're going to read verse 10 this time. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. See that? Now, let me take you to Malachi. This is the famous verse that when, you, when people teach on tithing, this is kind of like the marquee verse in the Bible. But look what it says here. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. 
You say, what's, what's the storehouse? The place that I worship, that there may be food in my house. Remember what we talked about in this series? What is money? It's a tool that we use to do ministry with. If there's no tools in the shed, you can't do any work, right? Now look what the Lord says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I don't know about you, but I want the favor of God on everything in my life. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Tithing is a two-way test. It's what it is. It's a test for us. Okay, is God really first in my life? Well, your treasure will tell you that because where your treasure is, what? There your heart is also. You can't get around that. Okay? You can quote Bible verses to the moon and back. You can pray like Father Abraham, but your treasure is going to tell you where that really lays in the long run. It's also a test for the Lord. Do you understand this is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me? Okay, it's interesting. Everywhere else in the Bible, we're told, do not, do not, do not put the Lord God to the test. Don't do that. Tithing's the only place that God says, go for it. Test me and see if 90% won't go farther with my blessing than 100% without it. Now, let me stop here and say this. It's important that you know that some people, and even many preachers will say and teach, well, that tithing thing is just Old Testament stuff. It's, it, you know, it's in the law of Moses. We don't have to do certain things in the law of Moses anymore, like animal sacrifice, Therefore, tithing is not for today. Well, it says in the, in the law of Moses, we should love God and love our neighbor. Do you think that's still for today? Yeah. Absolutely. So when you run into someone and says, well, I, don't, I think that's just an Old Testament thing. We don't have to do that anymore. Okay, let me just say this with love and let me just say it. I, I, they're wrong. They're dead wrong. What I realize is they haven't studied their Bible well enough. Because tithing wasn't meant to be about the law of Moses only. It's in the law because the principle of first is taught throughout the rest of the Bible. And you see it being practiced by the people of God way before God gave the law to Moses. Hundreds of years before that. Father Abraham practiced tithing. After he won a battle, look what he did with the increase of the wealth that he received from it. Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. Then Abram gave him, talking about to the Lord, a what? A tenth of everything. What's a tenth? It's a tithe. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob, Abraham's grandson, made this declaration to the Lord. Genesis 28, verse 22. It says, Jacob says, this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. So you know what he's doing? He's saying, this is the place I'm coming to worship God. He's establishing a place of worship where he's at. And look what he says. And of all that you give me, I will give you a what? A tenth or a tithe. Question for you. Who do you think taught Jacob to tithe? His dad and his granddaddy. They knew the principle of firsts. 
Jesus reinforced tithing in Matthew 23. He said this to the religious leaders of Israel. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. How's that for starting off a statement about money? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now watch what Jesus says. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So the, the problem was the Pharisees were tithing but neglecting other commands. And Jesus says you need to be practicing both. Yes. Priority giving is about putting God first. Amen. And you do that by giving proportionally to your income. So the first two words, <laughs> proportional and priority. Now that leads us to the, to the last word that helps us understand what the Bible teaches us about giving. Let's call this one perpetual. Everybody say perpetual. perpetual. Okay, otherwise, giving is supposed to be something that we continually practice in our life. I mean, that was the point in the passage last week. Jesus says, look, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but you need to learn how to, the idea is, is get in the habit of learning how to continually lay up treasures in, in heaven. Look, go back to that verse again, 1 Corinthians. We got it changed on this one. 1 Corinthians is not second. It says in your notes second, but it's first. Go back. Now, look, look, it says here, on the first day of, what does it say? Every week is a habit, am I right? Okay. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, let me just say this. Don't get legalistic here. The idea is it, is it that you only can give on Sunday. The idea is when you come to worship. Some of you, you're hooked up to online giving and like, I don't know when it hits. It's on a Monday, Tuesday, depends on the date. Nor does it mean that you were going to give um, every week. Some of you only get paid every two weeks or once a month. How many know? Don't, that's the, the point isn't to be legalistic here. The point is, is when there's an increase, that's when you give. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Now, what's the three words? Proportional, priority, and perpetual, right? Now, let's go back to the verse we started this whole talk with. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, those two words, also excel, in our English translation. One Greek word. You know what it means? To go above and beyond the expected measure. What's the expected measure? It's the tithe. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a, a thought that you need to get in your spirit. Tithing is the base of giving. When you give above the tithe is where you start to excel in the grace of giving. It, isn't it true? I could go play baseball and play, but there's a difference between just playing and, oh my gosh, he's excelling. So the question then is this. I told you I was going to shock you with this answer. What's the amount I should give? Are you ready? You get to choose. Turn to your neighbor and say, you get to choose. 
Some of you are like, you get to choose. Listen, first of all, you get to choose whether you want to put God first in your finances or not. It doesn't mean God's not going to love you. He loves you. He still loves you. But you get to choose whether you want to open the door for more of his favor in your life or not. What kind of offering you then, offerings you give, you get to choose. By the way, the tithe is the 10%. Offerings are what I give above the tithe. So let me, let, me just, let me just tell you how this operates in my life. And once again, I said, you get to choose. And I, I think I can do this appropriately without saying, hey, look at me. Because that's not my point this morning. I just want to give you an idea how this works in my, my house. And I don't have to give you dollar numbers for you to, to understand this. So let me tell you how this works in my house. When, when, when we receive an increase, when we get our paychecks, automatically we tithe. Okay? And a lot of people ask me, well, do you tithe, tithe on your net or your gross? Well, we choose to do on our gross because we think that better, oper- better, better does, that's really truly the first fruits. I don't care. Just choose. I always like to tell people, I don't know, do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? You choose. <laughs> I mean, stop, just choose. Listen, just start somewhere, okay? So that's what happens. We, we tithe first, okay, to the place where we call our, our place of worship. Then we have decided monthly to give a portion to the building fund here at Hope Fellowship. We do that on a monthly basis. We've been doing it for 11 years, okay? Then we have missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. One of those missionaries we've been supporting as long as me and Amy have been married. Okay? Every month. Okay? And then how many of you ever... No, no, don't raise your hand because you, you would expose... That's not what I want to do. But some of you have done the Compassion Children. And we did the Compassion Children uh, for a number of years, especially when our kids were little and we'd interact with our kids with it and they'd write letters and we'd send things and all those kind of things. Well, those Compassion Children eventually grow up and get out of that program. And so we decided to, to sign up with Convoy of Hope to feed a child uh, every day. And there's a monthly, I think, I think I'm not even, I don't even remember what the amount, amount was, but we had, how many children did we have? Three. So we just made the choice in our heart that we were going to sponsor three children a month to feed them through Convoy of Hope. We do that on an ongoing basis. And then there are other things that come up. Now, I didn't share all that to share, to say, hey, hey, look at us. I'm telling you, that's what we choose to do. You get to choose. And, and, and because of that, look what, look what Paul says further down in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's still in the same talk from chapter 8 about the grace of giving and excelling at it. And, and look what Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves, uh, what is the word? Cheerful, Cheerful giver. Okay. God loves somebody who excels in giving. You say, how do you know that's what that's saying? That word cheerful, you could translate hilarious. It's literally God loves a hilarious giver. Isn't it true? There's a difference between, oh, that's funny, and you're laughing so hard your stomach hurts. God says, I love that kind of giver. I love a hilarious giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I told you the answer last week was going to shock you about the amount. You get to choose. It really is up to you. So, so let me tell you how I think about this, just in my own stewardship of my own wealth and, and all those type of things. I think about it this way. If I can do well with my money, if I can get out of day, debt, stay out of debt, manage my money well, then I'm in position to give more to the things of God. Okay, so think about this. If I right now went and sold everything I had and gave it to the kingdom of God, I would give it a certain amount, right? But what happens if I steward my finances well and tithe an offering decade after decade after decade after decade? I give way more to the kingdom of God here. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is the motivation for me. It isn't that I want to get my finances in order just so I can have more to spend on me. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying things, amen? There's nothing wrong with maintaining different levels of, of, of lifestyle. Nothing wrong with that at all. The Lord wants you to enjoy the things of this life. But the big idea here isn't, oh, I want to tithe so that I can have more money just to spend on me. No, I want to tithe so God can bless me more and I can give more and make a difference more for the kingdom of God. One connects to another. And you know what it all comes down to in the long run? trust. It, 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 that's what it comes down to. Who are you going to trust? And I'm just telling you, for me and my house, in God we trust. That's the decision. You get to make the choice. But I'm going to tell you something that I know as a pastor. There are saints in here that have been tithing for decades. I have never run into somebody who's been tithing for decades that regrets it. They all tell me the same thing. There's a reason they're still doing it in their 60s and their 70s and their 80s because they know that the favor of God on 90% is better than the favor of God without the favor of God on, on that 90%. That's what they know. And so I just want to challenge you. Choice is yours. I'm telling you, you have an opportunity not only for God to prove himself to you and to work in and through you, but you have an opportunity to test God and God is faithful. Amen. Would you stand with me? Listen, if you survived today, you did it. The next three messages is going to be a whole lot easier from here. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you, Lord thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to invite you in to areas of our life, even areas of finances. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you in that area, to put you first. And Lord, I pray that our mindset about giving and money and all those things would change, that we would realize there, there are opportunities that you have put in front of us that our amazing Father. And so, Lord, we just ask you to help us to trust you in this area. And Lord, I pray that you would multiply what we give you on an exponential level for your kingdom and for your purposes. Lord, we love you.
and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen, amen. I'm going to ask our uh, prayer partners, would you come? If you're here this morning, you have a need in your life, we'd love to pray over you. Ask the Lord to work in that area of your life. So if you need prayer, would you go ahead and come up? The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. What he saw.